Welcome to Autographs. My name is Nick Singh, and just know originality is on the horizon. Let's go. Damn, what track do we want today, LP? What track? What track? I'm thinking, boom, let me pull out a little bit of Spotify. A little bit of Spotify. A little bit of Spotify. Should I just freestyle for the guy? Okay, I'm freestyling on the beat. LP gonna lay it down for me. It is what it is. I do it for the kids. I do it for the hustle. I do it for the biz. I do it for the chance to make it on my own. I do it for the chance so I can grab the throne. I do it for the chance that I might be seen. I do it for the chance that I might live my dream. I do it for the... Damn, man, that was lit. I know you thought that was lit. Yeah, it was okay. I've done better. Anyways, uh, welcome back to Autographs. My name is Nick Singh. For the sake of things, you could call me the homie Nick. We're about to share some original stories and insights from the world's best. And today we have a century man in the house. His name is Mr. Steve Sims. Steve Sims, if you want to call him that too, because you don't need to say Mr. to be honest. And um, if you don't know who Steve Sims is because I've asked around and not everybody knows who he is, it's probably for a reason because he's kept it that way for just a little while. Understand this, if you have things that you want to do in your lifetime that people have told you are unachievable or people have told you are unimaginable or even you yourself, even if you're a dreamer, have said, yeah, I probably won't be able to get around to that. Steve Sims has looked those things in the eye and considered them baby food for the most part. He's pulled things off that I've never heard anybody pulling off, literally. He sent people to space. He sent people on a submarine down to see the Titanic. He's gotten people married by the Pope at the Vatican. He shut down museums in Florence at the feet of Michelangelo and had a dinner for six serenaded by Andre Bocelli, one of the most uh, celebrated Italian artists of all time. He's had people sing on stages with their most favorite rock bands of all time to a live audience. I mean, he's pulled off stuff that I've never seen anybody or interviewed or chatted or heard of anybody in the history of mankind pull off. And the reason why I call him a century man is because truly there's only a few people that roll around every few hundred years like him that are able to pull off the stuff that he is. So if you do have big dreams, if you do have aspirations, if you do have visions, I promise you they're about to get expanded on this show because what Steve is going to allow you to do is for you to really unlift the veil and see that actually most things are possible it's just we're too afraid to ask for them and i'm not just here to show you and tell you to ask i'm here to hopefully allow you to pick up a few insights on how he asks and how he goes about doing so so welcome to a show that is going to absolutely stretch you in ways that you didn't think that you'd be stretched today for the most part because that's how i felt after leaving this conversation i said damn man what can i do that's super big and and amazing and beautiful and impactful for the world. And um, it was beautiful that Steve could bestow that upon me. So I know that he's going to bestow it upon you. I'm going to let him do that. So without further ado, welcome to the show. And thanks for listening. I'm going to see y'all on the other end. Peace. We got our we got our old uh, our old fashions. We're over here at we're over here at the copper mine. Shout out to the copper mine in LA. Actually, you know, I want to start here, man. I actually I found out about you about a year and a half to two years ago. A friend of mine, Shauna, had just came back from LA, and I, she met so many cool people on this trip. And she uh, comes back and she goes, Nick, I remember I remember this clearly because I was in my school library. I was in college at the time. I met this guy. I don't know how I got invited to his party. And I'm like, okay, cool. What is it? And he, I don't even know how to describe this dude. He likes just working with Elton John. And she goes off on this tangent and says all this stuff about you. 
And she says your name, but the name, I'll be honest with you, I forgot. I was just like, it just kind of passed, but I never stopped thinking about you. And then a year and a half later, one of my friends at work, his name is Lang. He comes to, he comes to work and he gives me this book. He gives me blue fishing and he goes, man, I think you should read this. This guy's really interesting. I think he's kind of like up your alley. And I said, who is this guy? And then he goes off. I said, you're kidding me. This is the guy Sean was talking about years ago. So, man, I'm really, uh, really grateful you can be here with us today, man. <laughs> Thanks for doing it, dude. I really it's, appreciate it's it. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So, what do you, uh, what do you got cooking, man? What have you been up to today? Well, today, uh, today I'm kind of getting ready. Um, it's been a bit of a mad, mad period. You know, we had a, we had our speakeasy event a couple of weeks ago. Right. Um, How'd that then go? We, um, it went very well. Yeah. It went, it went very well. We have uh, these, we have these private events, which, in, in terms of events is doomed to fail, but it doesn't. So what we do is we tell people where the location is approximately, and then we, we put on the tab where they can actually buy, buy that ticket. They have to buy tickets for this. Oh, yeah, it's two grand a ticket, okay? So <laughs> what we do, like we have, we've done Speakeasy San Diego, uh, New York, uh, L.A., and we did another Speakeasy L.A., and we literally we get a map, and we put a, a, a mile a friggin' radius. circumference of where we're going to be. And we're going to be in here for these two days, and it's for two grand per person. Click here to purchase. And we get people turning around going, can you give us more details? And we go, absolutely. You'll arrive smart, you'll leave smart. <laughs> and that's it. So we never tell anyone. And then what we do is when people pay, we contact them. Okay. And we say, look, you know, why did you pay? You know, you just paid for two grand. You know nothing. Now, there's people that know me, so they, they just jump yeah, in. Yeah, right? they, and, yeah. And they've been before. They know course, the scoop. Yeah. Yeah. But anyone that's new and fresh, we contact them. We go, why'd you do it? And they're like, well, I've heard this. I've heard, okay, what's your problem? And we want to know what that problem is. Yeah. Because we don't want an event. I don't want to do an event and go, I've got Jay Abraham. I got, uh, I, I've got Jason Gaynard. I've got Joe Polish. I've got... Uh, uh, Ken Cragen. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be doing that because then you're coming to the event for them. I want you to come for your problem. Mm. So when I know what your problem is, then I go through my Rolodex and I bring people in. And the last speakeasy we did, uh, which was a couple of weeks ago, <coughs> we had the number one requested prostitute in America. Prostitute? Did you prostitute. Just say prostitute? <laughs> Most, yeah, number one requested um, prostitute in America, <laughs> talking about communication. Okay. And we had, uh, we had someone who wanted to talk about scaling business and relationship capital. So I had the man that could answer that, Jay Abraham. Uh, I had people wanting to do events and wanting to know how to get people to come to events. I had Ken Cragen come along, who is um, probably most unfamous, famous person there is. Ken Cragen was the manager of the 80s. Okay. He was personal friends of everyone from Quincy Jones to Michael Jackson. He was the man that Michael called, Michael Jackson, should we say, for clarity. Michael called and said, I want to do a charity song. And Ken got hold of Quincy, and they did We Are The World. Largest song in the planet. Shut and the then Ken up. just phoned up some of his buddies, went, we need you here. Bruce Springsteen, we need you here. Quincy, we need you here. You know, uh, um, uh, God, everyone. How do you find Sting. it? How do you find these people, man? Um, if you're open and you're on that wavelength, then you kind of attract. Mm -hmm. So we had we had we had him come along. I've I've known the guy for like four years, but none of the people in the speakeasy knew it. And so we did, and then we told him at the end of the speakeasy, we're going to have a closing out party. You know, again, 
going to tell you rough area. I had to meet me on the corner of a cross section in Beverly Hills. So you have this crowd. How many people? How many people came? Just under 150. So you had 150 people on the corner of a freaking cross section. Yep. Disrupting traffic. Dayton and Beverly. And we would pull them. And once it got to like a little crowd of like about 30, we'd pull them in. in, But they didn't know where they were going. But we took over the entire Louis Vuitton flagship store. And on the top floor, which is an open terrace that overlooks Rodeo Drive, we had a DJ, we had uh, old fashions, we had champagne, we had all this stuff. Uh, Louis Vuitton completely closed down for us. They had artists in, they brought in some of that rare stuff just so our people could play around with it. We did that. And then on the Sunday, uh, I work with uh, Sir Elton John yeah. uh, for his Oscar party. Yeah. So I finished that week off with um, hanging out with Elton John at his Oscar <laughs> party. So that was, that was a week and a half ago. So I've recovered this week. Saturday, I go to Vegas to speak at an event with friends like you know Greg Reed, Sean Wyland, Cole Hatter, and then I come back on the Sunday, and then on the Monday at midnight, I fly to Thailand because I'm speaking at Travis Chappell's event in uh, Phuket. So it's quite a busy little period at the moment. My man, I ask, uh, I, I ask, I ask my guests, my friends, like what's cooking, and you know they usually give me like a little run of the day. I've never heard, <laughs> I've never. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, no, 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 my man, that was brilliant, dude. It actually like leads perfectly into the next thing. So. We get like a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, young entrepreneurs tuning into this and kind of wanted to like learn how to build a business and stuff. And they had beautiful like aims in life. And like what I want to do really quickly is uh, a lot of people probably tuning into this. I, I, I've been asking around. I'm saying, yeah, I'm interviewing Steve Sims, you know, just kind of fishing in that, just being like, see who's kind of heard of you. And like with all due respect, like you're still like, like some people still haven't heard of you, especially in my network. So I'm like, oh no, hugely. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So well, you know what? Like really quickly, what's your story? And like, what are some of the people that you work with? Because I know it. I mean, I read your book. I've watched a ton of your interviews. You're amazing. But I want people to know listening to this right away, kind of like who you are and who you work with so that we could kind of build that, build that little sure. bit of rapport with them if that's okay. I'm probably, um, I'm probably a big deal to maybe less than half a percent of the planet. Um, and you're right. No, no one knows who I am. You know, a few people are getting to know me now because of the book and podcasts and stuff like this. Is that by design, by the way? 100%. Okay. None of my websites even have a phone number or email. Uh. You can't contact me unless you know someone that knows me. Um, and that's worked very, very well for me. So, and let's be blunt, I'm not warm and fuzzy. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not the guy that's going to go on there and, uh, you know, wear a beanie and try to pretend I'm a millennial, <laughs> you know. Peace up to Gary V there. Um, but, uh, I like that, I like that, I like so, that. So, you know, I just, I do my shit. And if it resonates, if it works, great, welcome in. But for the last 20 plus years, I've worked with some of the most powerful people in the world. I've got people married in the Vatican by the Pope. I've sent people down to the Titanic, sent them in space. Uh, I've had people that want to meet people backstage, and I've gone, screw it out, I'm going to put you on stage, and you're going to perform with them. Um, I, I've got um, drum lessons from Guns N' Roses, guitar lessons from ZZ Top. Basically, I'm the Make-A-Wish Foundation for people with really big checkbooks. <laughs> and that's what I do. I fly around the world spending billionaires' money, making, uh, giving them really cool cocktail stories. Uh, and it's, it's, it's done really well for me. But no one knew who I was. I would turn up in a black T-shirt and jeans 90% of the time on a motorbike. I've had people at parties handing me keys thinking I was part of the security or part of the valet crowd. Uh, and I've just gone, thank you very much. And I've just passed it to the valet boy and not worried about it. My job is not here to look pretty. My job is to actually achieve and to pull stuff off. I'm there to solve, not mm. sell. So I don't care that nobody knew me. In fact, when I got the book deal, it was funny. 
Forbes had released an eight-page article on me because they'd kind of found out right, yeah. who the people I was working with. And when we got the book deal, I met the social department of Simon Schuster. And they said to me, we were, we were looking at your media and your credibility. And I was like, yeah, okay. And they said, you got 16 followers on Instagram. How long ago was this, man? A uh, year, year and a half ago. And uh, I think we're now, what are we now? Like yeah, 46,000 yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you're almost at 50K. I yeah, so, but it was the way she went. She said, you got 16 people. And I said, well, <laughs> let me make it worse for you. I've only got about 260 clients. And she said, we're doing a book on you. I said, every single one of those clients is a billionaire. And they own things like companies, countries, banks. They're some of the most powerful people in the world. And so it's hard to, you don't have to worry about having thousands upon thousands upon thousands of clients. You need to worry about having a few clients that have got billions. Yeah, and doing it really well. And, so, and yeah, I, I mean, I got to ask, so like, I know the answer, but again, like kind of for the audience and people listening, how did you get into this line of work? I know it was like a really unlikely start for you. I don't want people to sit here thinking, yeah, you know, this kind of stuff is only available for people who are kind of born into it. Cause that's so fucking far from, <laughs> that's so fucking so, far from you, man. Like, so my family, my family, um, those are bricklayers, right? Yeah. My dad owned a construction firm, which consisted of him, my mom and me. And that was it. And I didn't even get the bloody choice. <laughs> I, I left school at the age of 15 and he was like, right, you're on the building site. And that was it. And this is over in uh, the UK, Over right? in the UK, in the East London. UK, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he used to do things like porches and driveways and little garden walls. Yeah. It was shitty little work. You know, yeah. there was no, it was no million dollar contracts. It was like a hundred bucks there in your back pocket and 500 bucks there. It was that kind of gig. And um, typical East London boy. And being a big lad, I ended up working on the door. And I would see these guys turning up in Ferraris. Oh, what do you mean working out. on the door? What do you mean working on the door? I was a doorman. I was oh, a bouncer. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, you know, I was born big and ugly, so I just yeah. did what, what God designed me to do. Oh, okay. I would stand on the door and just go, no. Or I'd get a tap on my shoulder. There's a couple of drunks in the corner. You've got to go and split them up. And I'd be like, all right, here we go. Um, but uh, I just saw these guys turning up with suits and watches that were worth more than my house, cars that I couldn't even spell. And I just thought, I want what you got. And they always say that you are the combination of the five people you hang out with. Mm-hmm. Mine were poor-ass broke bikers. So I needed to get some richer friends fast right? if I was going to gain that. And that, then were that you wealth. conscious of this, though? Because, I mean, you come from family yeah. bricklayers and stuff like this, but you're young. And, like, where did that education go? Like, how did you get that insight? Like you wanted, wanted yeah, okay, cool. So you know, it was, it was natural. It. it wasn't like from a self-help book. It was like, no, I got no, no, it. No. It was very natural. It was I like saw you saw a guy it and you turn up. It. One of the things that caught me was you would get these, and it still happens now. Okay, okay. You get these guys turn up, and I'm I'm not working on the door anymore, but I still go to parties and I still see it. You see the crowd pull up in that rented show, you know. And when I say rented show, you can join clubs now where they send you fifty grand watches. You know, you can join clubs where you can drive half a million dollar cars. Mm-hmm. It ain't yours. You bought it. And trust me, I'm fine with borrowing it. In fact, I'm more for borrowing it yeah. than owning the bloody thing. That's mm-hmm. a smart choice. But don't rent it and try and convince me it's yours and this is your 10th model. Okay? Because now you're falling into the bullshit zone. So you see these guys turn up and they're renting a Ferrari. They get out of the car different. You know, they pull it up different. They rev that last You can tell. Second. You can tell. You can tell. You're new to that car. The next few seconds is going to tell me whether or not it's a, it's a five-minute rental. 
you know? And they get out. How do you tell? How do you tell? What do they do? I want to know. It's the body language. Is it? It's always the body language, okay. you know? Yeah, we got, we, got, we got two eyes, we got two ears, we got a mouth. That makes up about 10% of your body. The mm-hmm. other 90% is going to tell me whether or not you're dangerous, you're trouble, you're really worth it. It's your body language. If I've got someone in front of me and they're doing this, then I know they're guarded, okay? Mm-hmm. If I've got someone and they're doing this, I know they're nervous. I just need to know why you're nervous. Uh, so it's all those kind of things. It's the eye contact. Uh-huh. You know, someone gets out of a car and they start kind of like flitting around and, you know, who's checking me out and they're a little bit nervous. They're feeling uncomfortable. They don't feel comfortable in that setting. And so I know they're the kind of person. I guess someone come out, they walk up, straight eye contact, and said, hey, how you doing? They give you a handshake and you're like, hey, let's make sure your car's looked after. And, oh, thank you very much. Give, you, give your keys over there to Jimmy. He'll look after you. I'm giving value because I'm now showing the guy I'm right. going to look after his car. Yeah. He's like, oh, cheers. You know, and he may go to give me a, a few quid. And I'll be like, don't worry about it, pal. Enjoy the night. You know, uh-huh. I'm trying to get to know these people you're and give to, value. You're trying to create a genuine relationship. I'm trying to create it. And it. so I had, uh, in my earlier years, once I kind of identified those people that had the substance, they would walk up to the door and I'd be like, uh, not tonight. And I remember a couple of times they'd be like, why are you not letting us in, Stephen? I'd be like, you're going to be disappointed. There's a new club just around the corner that's just opened up. Everyone that's anyone's there, you don't want to be here tonight because you'll hate it, okay? So let the other people enjoy the night there. You go to the new spot, okay? And then tell me what you thought. Go around the door, speak to Colin, tell him Sim sent you, it'll look after him. And it's like, just out of the good of your heart at this point, like like Slash, you wanted no, to No, like- it wasn't. Yeah, I'm a very selfish person. I ask myself absolutely every time I do anything, what's in it for me? Okay? I think everyone should. You know, you're on a plane, and I'm not going to flit around, yeah, but you're on a plane, yeah. you're flying through the air. Before you take off, you've got the girl that stands up, and what does she do? She says, in the case of emergency, the air mask is going to come down. Mm-hmm. And she says the same thing every single time. Put it on you first before you help anyone else. There's too many people out there that are trying to look good by helping other people when they ain't got their oxygen mask on, okay? I love that, bro. That's real. I'm, I'm a case of I'm going to look after myself first, yeah. okay? If you're going to do anything that's going to interfere with my money, my, my family, my reputation, my credibility, I'm not going to touch it, okay? If you're going to give me smiles, if you're going to introduce me to a new place, if we're going to have fun for the afternoon, hey, I'm all aboard on that. So I'm very selfish. Okay. So in me getting to meet these people, remember at the beginning, I wanted those five people. I wanted to know five people that were richer, more successful, probably better looking, but that wouldn't be hard. Yeah. All of these things, I wanted all of that, that it would raise my standard up. Got it. Now, in and order, you were very conscious of this. Very conscious. But really quick question. Side note, how far were you willing to go? Like, were you feeling like one to like kind of bend a few morals on this? Because it's nah. like self- no, okay, cool. Nah, yeah. You, Within real, I want people to catch that, right? Because like people might take away their own message being like, cool, I'll go to a length out of selfishness and then I'll help people. But like this is out of like, I'm not fucking anybody over. I'm just it's yeah, no, it's I decent wanted to, intent. It's smart, right? So. I didn't want to say look, here's the we're now moving into the core of the ROI of a relationship. Okay. In my in my world. And in my, my mind, okay, every relationship creates value. Now, I've got people that I know and that you know people that I know that, that own wealth. They're in my Rolodex. They help me, and I get an immense amount of value out of them. And I try to help them by telling them, 
where the best events are or what I can get them into or what I can pull off on. So we create value for each other. Mm -hmm. I've got other friends of mine that when I go to England, they can't afford the bar tab. They couldn't afford to be in here. Mm. So they'll take me to some shitty-ass bar over the road. I will refuse to go in there. I'll bring them in this fine establishment, knowing full well that I'm picking up the bar tab, but they are going to keep me grounded. They are going to tell me dirty jokes all night, and they're going to make me go home with good smiles on my face. I love that. I make sure that every relationship I have has value. Mm. So if I'm going to create a relationship with someone that is in a sandpit that I want to be in, I come with a value backpack. What can I bring to your, uh, to your relationship, to your world, to your life that's going to create value that you're not going to want to leave me? Now, in the early stages, as a doorman, I knew where all the top nightclubs were. Then all of a sudden, I knew where all the best parties were, where the best social events, the best award shows. Now I'm getting connected with people that you want to meet so-and-so? I know them. Let me help you out, mm. you know? And I'm helping them out because they, they're giving me value. They're educating me on how they do it, how they perceive life, how they walk the talk. And, and this works for me. I love that, man. And, like, one thing I do want to highlight really quickly because, like, one of the big things here for me, Steve, is – um, there's a lot of talk shows right now and like a lot of them are just like super, like, let me ask you a question, but I really want to be, um, I want to be like a voice kind of for the generation. So I know like a lot of people in my generation are thinking this, like, how do I provide value? Right. How do I provide? You probably get people hitting you up a lot. How do I provide value? And then some are really good at it. Some watch you hit you up with like some really good things. Some are really intuitive, but from what I found, I'd be curious to know if you agree, like the best value you can create is exactly what you just said. It, it, it has nothing to do like, like my friends, these are my friends right? Like, like it has nothing to do. I don't hang out with these people because like they're, they're making me money. I don't hang out with these people because they're paying me. They're not clients. I don't hang out with these people because any of those like surface level reading, no, like that has nothing to do with it. What does have something to do with it is like, they make me laugh. You know, like they're there for me when I need them. So there's this kind of value that is like an energy of just being a human being, mm. you know, and I just a fucking friend. And is that like, would you put that as your top priority? I'm curious. Cause like you number probably one. have number one. Okay. So cool. there's, there's a thing that I came up with and we're getting into a dark period of my life. Right. Did you ever hear, have you ever seen a video I did called the chug test? The chug test? I read about it, I think, in your book. I, I, I know I've right. heard that from you. Oh, no, so, no, 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 I have. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but right. I know exactly what you're talking about so, now. So, um... It's in your book. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I started uh, connecting with a lot of very fancy people. Right. And then I did what absolutely every entrepreneur does in the world, the self-doubt comes in. And as soon as you start becoming successful, you screw it up because you start going, oh, maybe I should focus on that or maybe that's not the right cut. And you double doubt everything, okay, which is just a, a license to screw everything up. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that came on me was I thought to myself, well, hang on a minute. I'm turning up to some of the most powerful people in the world on a motorbike, black T-shirt, tattoos, earrings. I can't be doing that. Bear in mind, Ooh. I've been doing Ooh. this for seven years. And it was now that I was thinking, I can't be doing that. Why? 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 What changed? I, Somebody give you a look? Something in my head. Okay. You know? Randomly. Just randomly. You were successful. Yeah. And you were successful yeah. like this. Yeah. You decided to switch it up. I, I, I screwed it up. Okay. Something happened where I thought to myself, hang on a minute. People are looking at me. You know, who is this guy? I better start kind of like dressing the dress and uh, mm. uh, walking the look and stuff. All of these stupid things. Right. Yeah. So I went out. I bought a car. And I bought uh, that was the first bought suits, yeah. okay? and I became a different person. And all of a sudden, the suits were wearing me. And the car 
was driving me. You know, I was getting out of the car and I was looking like, I was looking like that punk I was telling you about earlier, ah. you know, even though I owned the damn thing. Here was a funny thing. I went through this period. I suddenly started losing the intensity of the relationship I had. What do you mean by the intensity? How hard is it for you to talk to your friends? It's easy as... That's the intensity, okay? If you start becoming a dick, you start becoming an asshole, they start becoming stressful, there's a friction. There's an effort. You think about the people that are possibly in your life now, and I pray they're not, but more than likely, and anyone out there listening, more than likely there are people in your circle that create effort in order for you to communicate with them. Absolutely. Most of the time it's clients. You find them and you go, hey, Steve, hey, how are you? Have you got a minute? And they're like, well, I'm very busy. What is it? Well, yeah, hey, I just, you've got all of this effort to communicate to freaking help these people. Right. Now, if there's that effort in the world or there's that effort in that relationship, get them out because that cancer. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get tired having that conversation with them. And then you're going to finish that conversation. And then someone you love, your wife, your girlfriend, your mates phone you up. And how many times does this happen? You go, yeah, uh, what do you want? And you sound off on them. Someone you love. Now, if they love you tight enough, wow. they're going to turn around. They're gonna go, my wife, she'll turn around and she go, whoa, back it up, fellow. I don't deserve that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I had a, I had a bad go. And she's like, well, not me. But if that person's not very tight with you, they now hang up and think, feel like shit. he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, they feel like shit. I'm not going to call him again. Uh. So I found that my relationships were changing. The intensity I was having with the core relationships that I had was diminishing. And I handled it by going back home one day and just getting blindly drunk for a few days. Mm. And I woke up and I thought to myself, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to create an effort to be with anyone because to be you with your friends Takes zero effort. Zero. It actually, it actually takes the opposite of effort. I think it like it Bingo. adds fucking energy. It adds to your wealth, and okay. so that's yeah. what I wanted to do. And I realized that I was getting depressed talking to dicks just because they had big bank accounts. So you just said or massive yachts. You just said go. I turned around and I came up with this philosophy of a chug test. Okay. And it actually came to me in a dream one day, and so I'm walking up the road, and on the opposite side of the road, someone in your life. It's your friends, your accountant, your, your lawyer, your printer, anyone in your life, your anybody, clients, yeah. anybody mm -hmm. is walking the opposite side of the road. In that split second, they haven't seen you. Do you, A, quickly look in the window and pretend as though you're really interested in whatever that bloody place is selling, wait for the reflection to walk past, and then carry on with your journey? Or do you feel compelled to run across the road, jump in front of them and go, Nick, let's have an old-fashioned. haven't seen you for ages, buddy. All right, let's go. If it's not B, get him out of your life. Wow. You know, and that's that, what I did. That, that simple. I woke up and I just thought, I'm going to do it. And you feel it's a bit strange at first because you're getting rid of people. But all of a sudden, you start getting this energy back. And I actually, I'd gone to this event, and I was living in Geneva now. I'd gone to this event. For like the three years I was there, I think every single month. During this like three to four month period where I changed. And you know like when you go to a party mm -hmm. and you go to these parties and you see this guy or you see this girl and you only ever see him at that event. Mm -hmm. And you don't have anything to do with them outside of that event. So you know them by first name. Maybe not even by first name. It's like pal, buddy, you know, hey, you don't really know them. 
but they're the regulars at this event. Mm -hmm. So there was this guy that, and I still don't bloody know his name, but he was always at these events. Got it. And he was like, hey, Steve, how are you? And I'm like, hey, you know, it's good to see you again. And that was it. I wanted no relationship with him. You just knew. And he was just a regular. Right. So I had never missed a, a month of this party. And I had just come off of this big drunken bender. I'd got rid of all my suits. I got rid of the car. And I rode my bike to this party that I had gone to for years. And I got to the bar. I'm having a whiskey. And this guy walked past me that I didn't really know. And he went, Steve, how are you doing? I haven't seen you here for months. And in that comment, even though I'd never missed a month, I was turning up in a suit. I realized I hadn't actually shown up. Holy shit. Yeah, it hit me so fucking hard that I realized That's that I had shivers. become someone different in order to make you think I was more credible. You can't solve that equation. You can never win that doubt. Mm. And this guy in that statement had made me realize I hadn't shown up. For, for four to six months of my life, I was trying to be someone else. I was like, I'm never doing that again. And then so if you, if you don't like this, hey, we don't have a problem. Mosey on, go and deal with someone you get on with. But this is as good as it gets. I want there to be no falsehood. This is it. I'm as I'm as I'm as deep as this. Man, one of the notes I I, I love that because actually one of the notes I took down from from one of your interviews. This hit me like a ton of bricks. And what what's cool about you, Steve, is um like you put things into such like upfront fucking terms. You know what I mean? Like there's no jargon. There's no vocabulary here to like try to confuse people and shit. It's like here's what it is. And you said this, and it it hit me like a sack of bricks. And it was I'm gonna butcher it, but like <laughs> let it be right. So it was something to like. Um, I tell clients, I've started to tell clients, you know, like if I don't like you, right, go take your stupid jokes and get someone else to laugh at them because like, I don't want anything to do with that. I thought that was fucking awesome. Man. And I, and, and, and I love how you highlighted that, but like, you know, as an effort to, uh, kind of like remain on time here, I also want to get that call in. Um, you know, a guy like you, I mean, you've worked with Elton John, you've gotten people married by the Pope, you know what I mean? You've shut down like, like. Uh, a, a museum at the feet of Michael, and you've done insane stuff. You sent people to space, which I didn't know about. It's kind of cool. Um, this list goes on. Like you're rich with stories, man. Like, <laughs> like, 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 like. What are some of the stories, dude? I just want to pull you. I was thinking about this interview, thinking to myself, you know, like, like this guy. He's not like a. He's not like like some like Tony Robbins who's gonna come here and fucking give you like some some crazy goddamn strategy. He's gonna hide it in plain fucking sight. And I think the best way to figure out how you live your life and the genius of who you are and the genius of what you've created is just by like hearing some of your stories, man. You must have some insane shit. So I'll give you a story and then I'll give you probably one of the biggest takeaways I ever got. From. I would love that, man. So I had a client of mine contact me and I was actually in uh, Rome okay. handling the Pope deal. Okay. And he had to be in Florence. <laughs> handling the Pope deal. He was uh, in Florence two days later. Right, yeah. And he wanted to have this exclusive restaurant. Now, the story you know about the outcome you don't. So I'll run through the story yeah, yeah, go for just it, go in for case it. anyone Please. hasn't seen it. Please. So I had two days to get him an exclusive restaurant. That's all he wanted, an exclusive restaurant? That's all he wanted. Okay, That's cool. all he asked for. It was 30-second phone call. I'll make it happen. So what I did was I wanted to see how far I could take this. I always want to see how far I can take this. I have a saying that I've never given a client what, what they asked for. I've given them what they wanted. Mm. So I actually took a train from Rome. And I went to Florence the following morning. We managed to get the Academia, which is the museum that houses Michelangelo's uh, David, mm -hmm. the most famous statue in the planet, okay? 
and we convinced them to open uh, open the restaurant just for us, no one else, until one o'clock in the morning, close it at three o'clock in the afternoon. This is a public How museum. How did you convince them to do this, man? We're going to that. And we had a table of six set up at the feet of David. During dinner, I had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade them. The most iconic living Italian singer on the planet, okay? This was fantastic, okay? I was over the moon. This was such an ego rush that I'd managed to pull this off. Ego for you, ego for him? Like ego I, for me. Well, the I client mean, didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I just told him, be in this buggy. I had a, a, a buggy pick him up, take him around. As he came down the academia, the doors opened up. Him and his fiance and their mother and father walked in there and they were like, I can't believe this is where we're having dinner. So he was over the moon. Yeah. Okay. And this place is probably beautiful, right? Like, be, oh, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Be, you've probably been there. Have you been there? Have you? Yeah. Yeah. You, so you've been there a while. I'll show you the picture afterwards yeah, and you can tell man. me if Dude, it sucks. I, I mean, I'm trying to. Have you guys been, have you guys been in Italy? Yes, no, it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. Here's the story that's not in the book. Okay. So I'm a great believer that no one walks onto the roof. We get it by going up a ladder. Right. Yeah. Those runs in my ladder are powerful people. So I make people that are powerful contact other people to get me what I want because that way you come in under a form of credibility if I sit here and tell you that hey I'm big shit I've sent people to the Titanic I know Elton John I know Elon Musk I know Richard Branson I know Steven Tyler you're gonna go well that's great but very soon you're gonna get pissed off with that because it's self-promotion it's branding it's 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 annoying it's It's arrogant it's flat out annoying but let me ask you if you're in a bar this bar and I go to the bar and your buddy leans over to you and you go, you see that guy? He knows that He says the exact word for word that I've just said. It's now credible. All I want it's to do is talk It's now gospel. To Bingo. Okay? It's the source that's imperative in absolutely everything. So I have people make the introductions for me. That's why I have no phone numbers on my website. I don't want you calling me. Mm-hmm. So I actually got this museum. I pulled some favors. I got some pretty powerful connections to make it happen. But while it was going on, there were a few people that were in the academia that looked to me like a a guy that spent rich people's checkbooks, which is exactly what I am. Got it. And I like how you meant that. There was a little bit of friction. Yeah. So I'm in the academia. It's about seven o'clock at night. Table's already been done. Got a string quartet that have just finished setting up. Andrea Bocelli's in the corner with his son on piano, just warbling up, getting the, uh, the, the, the tone right. And about 15 foot to the right of myself, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he's one of the heads of the academia. This guy gave me a bit of kind of sneaky look at the, uh, while I was negotiating this app. So uh, I wanted to be a dick. Straight up, I wanted to be a dick <laughs> on this. So I looked over to him and I was like, hey, you know, come over here. And so he wanders over. I said, what do you think of the table then? He's like, eh, it, is, it is beautiful, Steve. It's beautiful. And I'm like, Look at this. We've got a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David. Did you ever think that would happen? He's like, no. I went, did you ever think Andrea Bocelli would be the musical entertainment during Pasta? And he's like, no. And I'm being a dick. I just yeah. want to point it out to this guy that if I need something or want something, I'm going to get it. You ain't going to stop me. I'm being the dick. Okay. And so I turned around to him and I thought to myself, I'm just going to – I'm going to put my last one out there just to give him the final Why you doing the testes. Why are you doing that? Like, I felt, I don't know. You know, sometimes you just wake up and you feel like being a dick. <laughs> and this guy had aggravated me with his little glances. 
And I had the chance now just to stick it to him. Okay. Never said it was mature. I love just telling you the truth. <laughs> I love so that. I said to this guy, I went, so why did this happen then? And I'm expecting him to turn around and say something like, it's because no one's as connected as you, Steve, or, you know, no one's as powerful as the people you know, or no one's as good at negotiating. I was expecting this to be my final rub off, you know? And he just, he still had his arms fine. He just looked over to me and he went, no one's ever asked. And I thought, fuck it. Now, I was trying to get one over on him, and he just floored me with that sucker punch. And I realized that I thought I was being the cool one, but 99% of people are so frightened, they won't actually ask. Now, I realized what a dick I was going to be, that I had been, since he just knocked me yeah. out with that statement. We went out afterwards. We had Florentine steak. We got heavily drunk, and I've known the guy for years. In fact, he was at my house a couple of weeks ago. So I'm glad to say, and he's heard this story a million times. Yeah, yeah. In fact, he's introduced to people as like, I'm the guy that Steve was trying to be a dick to. So mm. he, often, he often tells that. So, I love that. So, but that's what it was. But I actually came back from, from uh, Florence, and I went on a quest. I started contacting people that I had pulled things off, and I went, why did it happen? The amount of people that actually turned around to me and they went, well, no one had actually ever asked before. And I realized that we are so in a society now of look at me, but don't challenge me. And I don't want to be looking to fail. Elon Musk, he had those rockets come and then the fuel cells would land on those platforms in the ocean. How many times did you see those blow up? A lot. How many times have you seen it since? I don't know. I don't know. You'd probably be the best person to answer that. You don't. Why? Because it fucking works. The uh, bottom line of it is, we look at things when they go wrong. When it goes wrong, ooh. when it goes right, we're bored with it. And a lot of people in power, a lot of people in power, they don't want to be shown up. They don't want to be seen to fail. Elon couldn't give a rat's ass. But that's the bottom line of it now. We're in a society, especially with these bloody evil little things, mm -hmm. where you will be filmed falling over and it will be on YouTube before you've got back up. The entrepreneurs are scared to fall over. Me, I, if I don't fall over and if I don't fail on a weekly basis, I haven't tried hard enough. Wow. You know, so that's where it is. So that guy... That's where the magic is right there. It's that's a, the magic. It's a fucking ass. That guy told me quite openly, no one asks. So I want you to ask more. So, so here's my, that is genius, literally genius. But Thanks my, to him. Yeah, I know. Seriously though, right? Put credit, credit is due. But my question for you is this. I reckon that like, like Scooter Braun said this once, I can't even think to take credit for this. He goes, you know what? Look, a lot of people think I'm extraordinary. Cool. I've worked with, you know who Scooter Braun is? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah he's a cool guy, right? So uh, he goes like, I'm just an ordinary fucking guy. And like people think I'm this genius in marketing. I'm not. He just goes like, I'm an ordinary guy. So if I think of something that excites me, I've, probably it'll excite a million other people too if we show them. And that's my marketing strategy. I just think of what excites me. Yeah. So I feel like, like I feel like with your asks, correct me if I'm wrong, seriously, it's not so much as like challenging people, like walking up to like the Pope and being like, I want, but it's exciting them. It's like calling on like their deeper principle, right? Totally. Is that is that accurate? Because you're not like sitting there being like, I want to challenge, because no one like is really that down to like play games or be challenged. Not everybody's that competitive, but you, everybody's down to have a little fun. Am I, yeah. Is that right? You are spawn. Okay, You've got to get cool. them from a vendor and a source to a passionate fanatic. Now, if you can go in there and go, look, you've already been introduced to me and you know I did this and I did this and I did this, but how would it be in six months time we could tell a story of a couple having dinner at the feet of Michelangelo's David 
with maybe one of the most iconic. Can you imagine that? So get them involved in the passion, and then they'll fight that battle for you. Yeah, it'll be like nothing you've ever done before. It's, it's br literally brilliant. I love that. And I got two more questions for you, and then we're going to make the call, and then we're done. I have no idea who would call him, but okay. I know. It'll be a fun guy. He's a good guy. I've him, so right. he's not going to ask you something, anything creepy. Um, but in all your line of work, man, you must... Uh, I, I had this one's for Lang. Lang, this one's for you. If you're, I know you're, Lang's the one who introduced me to the book. He's the one to give me the book. I said, let me ask you a question. And he goes, here's what I want to ask Steve. So this one's from Lang. That's a good question. He goes, you know what I'd want to know? I said, what? Like, what are some of the fucking strangest requests you've ever received in your life? Like shit that you literally had to look people in the eye and just say, no, like, I'm so sorry. Like, like that. No, I, that is so out of, I can't even think. Can, can, have you, you probably got some crazy shit. There's only one. There's only one because as far as I'm concerned, like I have absolutely, I set a client up on stage to sing with a rock band journey. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know who journey was. Uh, that story was hilarious. If okay. you're listening to this, read, read, no, no, no. Watch one of Steve Sims interviews on that. That story is hilarious when you met them. So the bottom line of it is I have no care if it impacts me, if it strikes my arousal nodes I care that it's, it, it's, it excites you. Got it. If it excites you, I'm doing it. Okay, that's all I care about. I don't care what it is. If it excites you and it doesn't hurt, hurt, someone, um, hurt someone else, I'm going to make it happen. But there was one loony tune, and this was back in the early 2000s when I was in Palm Beach. Um, I get this girl on my office, and she paged me through, and she said, I think you need to speak to this guy on the line. I'm like, fine, you know, what is it? Now, if it was an easy request, they handled it. If it was a really exciting request, they bumped it up to me because uh, I'm selfish like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm like, oh, good, what's this one? And this guy gets on the phone. I'm like, hey, how can I help you? And he said, oh, I heard about you. And so I'm like, okay, well, what do you need? And he said, I want to detonate a nuclear warhead. I said, come again? He said, I want to actually press the button on the most powerfully destructive thing in the planet today. What the fuck? Now, the bottom line of it is, let's be blunt, you make enough money payment over to Korea and you're doing that, okay? But I was like, no. Now, this was way before 9-11 and all of those things. Had Did he want to hurt people? That. Did he want to hurt people? Was it like a test No, thing? no, no. He wanted to, he just wanted to. like a test, like a yeah, fucking test. Yeah, just a little, going to, you know, because over in Asia, they do all the nuclear, the, the tests on Got the little it. islands over there. So it could have been done, but the fact that he wanted to just push the button on the most destructive, thing in the planet it's fucked up that made no sense so we were like no you you, you need help we're not going to be doing this yeah that's fucked that was up. it so that's the that's only one up. but i've had people that have wanted to meet botanists um Bot you know, pl plants okay you know there was this doctor that actually did this um orchid and he did something about reviving this strain of orchids so it went from damn near extinction to thriving and this guy wanted to meet him like he literally was meeting the reincarnation of elvis was so excited to meet this botanist and um, I actually thought, well, I've got to get a hold of the botanist's publicist or maybe their manager or something like that. I went through a few friends. I got some phone numbers. I got this. No, I found this guy. He answered the phone. He was in his garden. And I said, oh, do you want me to speak to your publicist? Oh, I don't have a publicist. <laughs> what about a manager? Oh, I don't have a manager. And so we arranged that they met in London you're and they fucking, had lunch. You're fucking kidding me. But he wanted to speak to this guy as though he was Elvis. It was so excited. I to meet love him. that. Matt, Matt, how much does this stuff cost? Like, every, oh, every I, seriously, every and look, I hate to press you on that, but like every single, literally, every single person I told about you, like every single one who didn't know who you were, that I told who you were, their first question is, what the fuck does that cost? 
Like, like, what's the range? You don't yeah. have to say how much things. Like, like, how much is this thing? If you've got like a, you know, a lunch with a famous botanist, you know, you, you're looking at a couple of grand kind of thing. Yeah, um, stuff like that, right? You want to go and throw throw uh, people out of a museum at three o'clock in the afternoon? Then you're looking at three quarters of a million dollars for a night. Yeah, so um, that's how the thing works. It really just it just ranges, you know. I've yeah, had I get you. I've had millions wired into my account, and then the following day I had to wire them out again to uh, pay for the stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it's just I, I've gone from. Right? Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, but it's not about money for you, so I know that. So look, it's about impact. It is, it, and 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 I can tell that. So I actually want to tie that into this last question. We're going to make the comment, then we're done. So you've done some fucking crazy shit. I've sat across the table from some people who have built like hundred million dollar companies. You've sat across the table from people who have done some insane stuff with their life. But most people's bodies of work are just not as unique as yours. I'll be honest. You know, like, are you going to be like this hundred million dollar billion? And I, I don't know. I don't even know if that's your goal. I don't think it is. But what I'm getting at is that, like, like, I consider people like you to be a century man. I was, like, thinking, like, like, who does this guy remind me of? You actually reminded me a lot of this guy named Jerry Weintraub. Do you know who that is? I've heard the name. He's, uh, he's one of the biggest managers in Hollywood. He managed Elvis, John Denver, um, Frank Sinatra. He was responsible for creating all the original Ocean movies, The Karate Kid. He was this insane producer, and he was just known as the guy who can pull things off. And like I look in history, and there's these few secret people. No one really knew about them except for Hollywood's elite. That's the only they're the same way, right? Yeah. There's people they, they weave in and out of generation every now and again, and not everybody has your gifts. I really don't think that you can teach what you do. Maybe you can beg to differ, but it's tough, man. There's a lot of social IQ that goes into this. But what I'm getting at is this: you have the balls to do some amazing shit. And a lot of people that I meet, and a lot of people you meet, they have like these small, tiny goals, and like smaller in contrast to what you got to pull off, respectively, based on society. And yet they, they don't fucking do it. So my question for you is like, where'd you get the balls to do this kind of stuff, man? Like seriously, what's this overarching belief that you have about the world, that you have about life that's, that, that's allowing you to think that this is, and excuse me, that this is okay to do? Because a lot of people just don't even think this is okay. Oh, it's, it's actually very easy to quantify. I'm stupid and I'm ignorant, okay? <laughs> okay. As I grew up, and I think this was a benefit of growing up in the 80s and 90s, I never had smartphones telling me what the front end of a Ferrari looked like or what the Hermes logo was. So when someone showed me a Hermes logo and showed me that that's a Birkin bag and that's $30,000, I'd look at it and I'd go, it's a bag. And that was it. So someone says, well, I want one of those bags. Then I'll get you the bag. So the ignorance and the stupidity was just to do. You know, you, you, you get a child and you tell the child, don't touch the pot, it's hot. Okay. When do they finally find out that the pot's too hot to touch? When they touch it. Bingo. So with me, I just go, why can't I do this? Why can't it be done? Now, in the early years, I had that attitude. Why, why, why can't you get a drum lesson by Guns N' Roses? If it's what you want, surely the first thing is just to talk to Guns N' Roses. You know? Why can't you get on stage? Surely the first thing you can do is ask someone if you can get on stage. You know? I found out very early that if I'm getting a no, I'm asking the wrong person or the wrong question. Mm. So that I learned very, very early on. You know, people with power can say yes to me. Okay. People without power can't. So I, I went out and found wow. the right people for a start. Wow. And then as it grew and I started to pull things off, I was like, I actually just pulled that off. And of course, like the next time you go and do something, you can go along and you go, hey, I want you to close down your museum. And I know this is probably going to sound crazy. But let me tell you what I did with Elon Musk two weeks ago. So now you're building up that tool chest. And then those people are like, he's played at this level. So we should take him seriously. Let's take a risk. So it, it, it's been that kind of thing for me. I always, 
I always go into it, and here's the dumb thing. You can test this with your friends. Okay, I'll do it. Ask your friends, if you could do anything, what would it be? And then they will go, oh, I'd love to. I'd love to play piano with Elton John, or I'd love to, you know, be in a hot tub with, you know, Victoria's Secret's models. Then something really strange happens. They spend the next minute telling you why it can't happen. They go, I'd really like to do that. But I don't know. There is probably too much money. I can't afford that. I don't even know where I'd begin. They spend two minutes telling you why it can't be done rather than focusing on the one reason it should. And that's me. Why talk yourself out of a fight? All the time, people come to me and they go, I want this, but I know it's impossible. And I'm like, thank fuck you've said that because it's going to make me look brilliant when I pull it off. Because as they all say, it's only impossible until someone does it. You live that, man. You Absolutely. That. I couldn't have asked for a better answer. So let me call this fella. His name is Cole, by the way. Cole? Yeah, yeah. It's not Cole Hatton, is it? Cole Hatton? Cole Hatter? No, I don't Thrive. think so. Five. Cole and Sonia. No, 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 no. All right. All right, okay, cool. We're going to even call you. Ready? Cole. Okay. Cole, 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 Cole. I'm going to hold him close to my mic so we can actually hear it, all right? All right. Hello. Hey, what's going on? Is this Cole? Yes, it is. My man, you're here with Nick Singh and, uh, and Steve Sims. Say what up. <laughs> what's going on, Nick and Steve? Uh, hey, just... Cole. How you doing, buddy? You all right? You good? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. Thanks, pal. So, uh, so Cole, what's your question, my man? So, Steve, in your book, Blue Fishing, you say, if communication isn't personal, it's not communication. When it comes to communication in the B2B or B2C space, you know, there's so much focus on speed and automation. Do you believe our ability to communicate personally and effectively is declining? Uh, declining? It's um, borderline extinct. Um, it's very horrific now the way that people try to use email. I've had people say to me, oh, yeah, I've reached out, I've contacted them. How did you contact them? I sent them an email last week. The bottom line of it is you need to get voice-to-voice Tonality is imperative. I can say one thing to you in a monotone, and it can mean one thing. I can say the exact same thing to you with passion, and it means completely something else. So I think the art of communication is dying. There's no app that you can download for it, and I think we need to focus on it more than ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Cool. Good. Then you're going you're gonna, to uh, you're gonna be successful because, sadly, the more people that stop doing it, the better we look. Absolutely. Yes, sir. I, I, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Well, Plum, thanks for the question, buddy. <laughs> Thank you very much for the answer. All right. Cheers, Cole. I'll give you a text after, man. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks, Nick. Cheers, appreciate buddy. It. I'll talk to you. Okay, bye. Um, shout out to True Fan for making that work. I appreciate you guys for helping me uh, mind that data. I'll send you that list, by the way. Some of you are fans, so you may be able to reach surprising. out. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe you want to reach out. All right, look. Um, before I do some acknowledgments, my last question for you is this, because now I got to ask, because you mentioned at the beginning of the interview. Why did you say yes to doing this? Um, the genuinely curious. Yeah, it was. I, I look. I have a funometer. Um, I want to know <laughs> if I'm going to have a giggle. Okay. You know, and I never let people over into my house. That's my home. Yeah. Um, and I've got to really know someone for for years. Of course. I'll always be apologising to my Italian dick friend because I treat him like a dick. So yeah. he gets to stay at my house, but he's one of the few. So when you were like, hey, I'm going to find somewhere to fit, and you started looking around, you found this place, and I was like, you put effort into it. You know, you put energy in it. You didn't want to just jump on a bloody Zencast or Zoom link 
and do it. You actually put effort behind it. And I thought, if someone's putting that effort into it, then I want to be part of that. You know, that's the kind of energy I want to be in. And you said before, and you felt you've said it way better than I ever have. It, it doesn't take zero effort. It actually adds to you mm-hmm. when you're dealing with people that give you energy and, and passion. And, you know, even the communication we were having on, on the, the text today going, hey, you know, I, I'm here if you need me. It, there was just a, a tonality of passion and excitement. I just wanted a piece of that. I really appreciate you coming on, man. And like I said before, dude, like I had this whole speech written out. I fucking forgot it. Um, <laughs> it was like some stuff I want to say to thank you, but really the gist of it was it, man. Like I've never had the pleasure of calling somebody a centuryman before. Like it's a term that I heard Jerry, Jerry, okay. Jerry Weintraub coin. I'm serious. Like they come around every now and again and they're special fucking people because they hold a set of skills. It's like that. You watch movies. Mm. It's like that Liam Neeson movies. Like I got a set of skills. You got a set of skills, man. And here's the thing about it. Like you can't teach this stuff. You know, I guess sometimes people ask me, like, how'd you get so-and-so on? How'd you get so-and-so on? And I always ask myself, you know, I, I, I could tell you, but that's not really what you want to know. What you really want to know is how to get whatever you want to get done done. Yeah. Right? So, like, it's cool that nobody else can have these set of skills, or very few people can. At least I believe that. And it's cool to be able to sit across something like that, man. I think that the coolest thing about you is that we're living in a world where a lot of cats and a lot of players are all about, like, you know, let's do some good. Let's be impactful. Let's do this. And it's beautiful. And you're that way, too. But you're not afraid to sit down and be like, I'm a selfish motherfucker. You know, I don't really hear you talking about legacy and stuff because, to be quite frank with you, I don't know if you give a shit. No. You know, like, 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 you just you care about a different set of things, man. And I'm telling you, this is a different kind of great conversation. So, uh, my thank you to you is just like, thanks for being you, man. And I hope to continue to connect in the future. Appreciate it, cheers, buddy. My man, Steve. Thank you. Appreciate you, bro. Thanks, everybody. All right, let's wrap. <laughs>